so we're just going to kind of just start. That's like how we do it. We just do it in the middle of, in media res. Just in the media res, yeah, yep. That's how we do it. <laughs> so uh, this is the Chance of Gaming podcast and coming back for the multiple whatever time we're on. And this is our actual second attempt to record this. We didn't quite work out last time, but, you know, hey, we're going to try again. Uh, you can actually find us at chanceofgaming.com. The Twitter is there. We're on Twitch. Um, there's a patreon.com, patreon.com slash chanceofgaming, all one word. So there's that. I set that up, which is weird, because it's like, are you an artist? And I'm like, um, no. <laughs> it's like, well, what, what, what do you do? Do you make music? or No, no, because there's all these questions you have to answer. And I'm like, I'm just a guy that would appreciate a couple extra bucks a month. <laughs> But anyway, mm-hmm. what we always start with is like, what have you been playing lately? And uh, for me, it was awesome. I actually got to play a game of Advanced Squad Leader via Vassal. And uh, I've been talking with a friend of mine recently about Vassal versus Tabletop Simulator. And um, mm. yeah, my thoughts on Vassal and using it, I'm like, you know, it uses Java. It's a setup. It looks dated, but it sort of is. It's been around for how many years? I don't know, but it started with ASL. It was actually v- virtual ASL is how it got started, from what I understand. So it's been a while. Oh, and then yeah. it expanded to other games. That also reminds me, since the people that are listening to this don't know, uh, as always, my co-hosts are Richard and Roy. <laughs> That are here. The other voices. Hello, you'll guys. Hear. Yeah. Hello. I'm Roy. I'm uh, Rich. I could just be doing voices. You know, that could be where. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're right. It it did start that way. So it's it's been around a long time, and they're porting up porting over a lot of stuff over to uh, Tabletop Simulator. I will say one pro for it is it's on Steam, and you know, it, a lot of guys use uh, that for PC gaming nowadays and so it's there oh and you can also flip the table in it if you want yes which is how you should end every game on table yeah ab- absolutely <laughs> flip it so that was good uh to play oh and i got in a, a game of dba 3.0 are you guys familiar with that at all no uh, i am not I like it because it is a it's a very old game. It, it stands for like D Bellis Antiquitous or or whatever. It's by a guy by the name of his last name is Barker. I want to say Toby, but I don't think that's it. Anyway, he is him and his wife have had these rules out forever. They're like 20 years old. And the way the game works, it plays it's ancients gaming. And it plays on a 2 by 2 board and you use 12 uh bases per side so it's a really small footprint you don't need a lot of figures to play but it's very complex and the different things you can do oh yeah and it's a single d6 game Hmm. so it's it's kind of neat and um i was glad to find another person locally uh that is interested in it and so to be able to do that so, what have you guys been playing? Well, let's see. Um, I've been uh, playing some Dominion, and uh, Clank in Space is uh, was a fun game that I, I tried out. Um, let's see, what else? Have, uh, Bet- Betrayal at House on the Hill. 
It's uh, This is an Avalon Hill game, and every time I play it, I love it because it's there's plenty of opportunities to do a little bit of role-playing and, and be spooky and goofy. Um, and so it's a tile-laying game, so you uh, the, the group goes into the, the house, and you just kind of add tiles to the... Uh, to the map, and eventually things take a turn, and it becomes a uh, one player against all the other players. And I, oh, I, so it's it's a hidden traitor game. Yeah, well, it's uh, up to a point, and then or it's it's co-op to a point, and then it becomes a yeah a hidden traitor. <laughs> um, so it's it's I like it every time I play it. Uh, it's one I actually own that I've had mm-hmm. for over a year at least and haven't got it to the table. Uh, it, it was always really popular and it's gone out of print once or twice and become really expensive. And the last go round that they reprinted it, I uh, picked up a copy. Okay. And uh, yeah, uh, I, we played it with the, uh, the widow's watch expansion, which gives a bunch of uh, different scenarios in addition to the base game. Um, and so if you've seen the movie Cabin in the Woods, the Joss Whedon movie, yeah, it really feels very much like like a board game version of that film. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you go through and, yeah, bad things happen. Yeah. That's a weird movie. <laughs> it is, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, who makes Clank in Space? Uh, is that uh, Renegade, I believe? Does yeah, that, that sounds right. correct? Okay. Let's see. So yeah, that's uh, that's a, a sort of a deck building game like Dominion, uh, with the different cards have like a, a foot, so you can move from room to room, and you're going from the front of the ship to the back of the ship to get um, the the treasures and then get out. Um, so it's yeah, that's an entertaining game too. It's uh, um, yeah, I guess there's not much else to say about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, Richard, you've been doing uh, Pandemic Season Two. Yeah, Pandemic Season Two. My uh, my daughter and I killed the uh, the latest month we were on. I think we I think we just finished up June, and we just we uh, it, 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 I think in June you had to finish three objectives, and we actually knocked off four of them just because we were doing so well. We kind of house rolled it. We said, well, we're going to keep playing after we finish the third objective because we're going <laughs> to knock out this fourth one. We said, just to be fair, if we lose before you finish that fourth objective, we can't go back and say, well, we finished three, so we won. So, yeah, for for whatever reason, things were just really turned out well for us in the last month, and we're cruising along. We um, we haven't gotten to any major twists yet, so from what I know of season one, we're sort of waiting for something huge to happen. We're we're starting to see the plot develop as we are now, though. We're yeah, I don't want to give out any spoilers, but yeah, we're starting to see things starting to change as we as we get through June. So you have not played season one? No, we did play season one. We played oh, season okay. one together. We finished that one up a few months ago. Yeah. Okay. Now this is a I... legacy game, correct? Where you correct. actually mark on the board or or whatever, right? Yeah, you do. You know, you tear up cards, you mark up the board, you make permanent changes to to cities, somewhat permanent. Sometimes the cities, the population can grow or shrink depending on what happens in the game. But in any case, whatever you do at the end of one game is the way you start the next game. So there is some degree of sort of being able to reset, 
uh, it's it's played in months. So, you know, you're you're going to play twelve different months, and it goes through a full year. Uh, if you lose a month, you get a second try at the month, and if you lose a second try at the month, then you just go on to the next month, even though you've lost twice. There is a package in there that says basically open this if you lose four games in a row. We have not had to open that package yet, so I'm not sure what's in there. But we did open it in season one, and it's basically just some bonuses that make it things a little easier for you for a while. I was so. thinking that there'd be like a little vial and a hypodermic needle, and <laughs> right. yeah. everybody would just kind of end, end it all. Yeah. Now play it for real. Yeah. <laughs> And you also did uh, Clank Sunken Treasures, yes? Yeah, that's the expansion to the original Clank. So Clank in Space is the sequel to Clank, but the original Clank has an expansion called Sunken Treasures and then another expansion called Curse of the Mummy or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically just a new map for the original game with some additional cards and monsters to fight. Slightly different mechanics, but still basically the same game, so... And from what I understand, Clank in Space is basically the same game, too. Either way, you're you're trying to get in, get out with the treasure, and uh, not not wake up the in, the, in the case of Clank, not wake up the dragon before you get out. And then on your way out, you want to wake the dragon up to because you, at that point you want the dragon to attack everyone else after you escape. <laughs> oh, Clank in Space is a space dragon. Oh, okay. Erat- yeah. Erraticus, I think, is his name. <laughs> So is that where the title comes from? Is like you're trying not to make a sound, so yeah, you don't want yeah. to clank. Okay. Yeah, you you start off with a number of cubes. Every player has a number of cubes, and those cubes are they function in a couple different ways. For one, they function as what you call clank. So basically, you make a noise. You have to put your cube on the the spot on the board. Um, and they also function as health. So every time the dragon attacks you or you get attacked by a certain monster or whatever, you have to put your cubes on the board. If you run out of cubes or if your health bar completely fills up, then you lose the game. Um, but, yeah, you put the cubes on the board, and then every time you draw certain cards, the dragon attacks, you take all the cubes off of the board and put them into a bag. And there are there are black cubes in the bag for the dragon and then colored cubes for each of the players, and you draw out a certain number of cubes. If you draw out a black cube, then nothing happens. If you draw out a colored cube, then the player basically takes a hit. And you can get, oh, I don't know, probably 10 hits or so before you die. And there's yeah, health that right. as well. So. And I think um, the new Star Wars game is on everybody's radar we're, we're all very interested in that. yeah a few weeks away at this point legion now did any of you guys uh your local shop did you happen to get a demo a demo copy no. yeah mine didn't either and they yeah. were they were mad they were like i ordered like 25 copies you know from you guys i have 20 of them are prepaid for and you know you guys can't give me a demo they're like we will but we'll give it to you the day it comes out yeah so, i live so Miniature Market, obviously a major um, distributor, their warehouse is 10 minutes from me. So I always just drive down there if I want to pick something up. And um, I don't I don't know that they've actually had anything on display for Legion, but if anybody's going to get a demo copy, it's probably going to be them. Sure. They're also in the middle of a move. They're opening up a new showroom. So both of my friendly local gaming stores are in the middle of a move right now. So. Now, I know, like, pictures have, have gotten all over the Internet. People in Spain have gotten copies. And, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, 
painters or have got them and are painting commissions, you know, for it. People have scanned in like the rule book, you know, all this stuff is available, but it's like over here in the U.S. we can't seem to get a look. Yeah, you know, you were talking about Tabletop Simulator earlier. From what I understand, the game is basically completely playable on Tabletop Simulator as well. Yep. Yeah, uh, somebody has already coded it in and yeah. the pictures and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I, I want to do an Escalation League for it. Um, we had a local 40k league that I just kind of watched being done, and it they the guy really really got it off the ground i mean bought a lot of people into the store you know people a lot of people playing lots of money being spent it was all good for everybody you know more terrain you know these guys were great and so i'm like wow okay so that's just kind of what we need is just kind of someone to herd the cats to kind of shepherd it through and because people like goals you know when, when it's like okay you have to have so many matches or whatever they'll actually work pretty hard to try and schedule that so yeah. i like it Hope it's going to work out. I think it's going to be big here in St. Louis. Uh, I was talking to the guys at the store about it, and basically the only problem they're having is trying to find an open night because there's already so much going on with 40K and Malifaux and X-Wing and Magic the Gathering. There's just there's already a lot going on, and they're like, yeah, we're just trying to figure out what night to do it on, but there's there's definitely interest. That's my shop's problem as well. And uh, that there are no nights. There are no more any yeah. nights left. Every single night, something is going on. And, um, like, oh, I think the 40K League did theirs on, like, Sundays and Mondays. Something like that. Well, I'm going to do mine on Thursday is the X-Wing night. So I'm going to do that. And then I think I'm going to do um, Saturday, just for the heck yeah. of it. You know, but oh yeah, it's nuts. I mean, there's constant magic. There's constant 40k. There are no available nights to do anything. It's a pretty big shop too. So um, the other things that were on, on my radar um, for me was Relic Blade, which is a little bitty skirmish game that just uh, one guy does everything for it. He does the art. He does the sculpting. Uh, he writes the rules and. I'm attracted to it because it plays on a 2x2 two two board, so it's small. And you play with, like, five figures per per side, and, yeah, it's basically just a skirmish game. So I kind of dig that. And uh, I sold my Flames of War stuff to buy into Battle Group World War II in 20mm and 6mm. And uh, I ordered a starter for... Uh, Gates of Antares, which is Warlord's science fiction game. I've had the rulebook for a while and just have finally decided, you know what, I, I want to really put this on the table because I like everything about it. It's basically bolt action in space. Plays similar. So, yeah. So anything come across your radar that you'd like to talk about? Oh, yeah, I see Roy's uh, got Gloomhaven. Yes, Gloomhaven. This um, this looks really great, and I've watched a few reviews on YouTube. Um, the uh, yeah, it's uh, so it's uh, it's a hex based, as I believe the uh, uh, dungeon crawl kind of thing. So it would be similar to um, Descent or the uh, the D and D like uh, Ravenloft game. 
mm-hmm. but it's a le- also a legacy game like, well, like uh, uh, Pandemic or uh, Risk Legacy. So as you go through the, the game, you add more cards to your deck of cards. And so each turn, you're going to play two cards, and there's a top and a bottom to each one. And you say, okay, well, I'm going to do the top one of this and the bottom of this. So there's combos that you can throw together. And then as you advance along, you, like, take some of the, the cards that aren't quite as great out and put some other better cards in. And so it's, uh, it sounds really fun, and I think I'd like to, like to give that a try. I will say it has quickly become like the quote-unquote it game right now. Mm-hmm. It's super popular. It's super hot. Uh, apparently, people got it about a month ago from Kickstarter, and it's just now starting to make it into stores, which means the the pricing for it is kind of nuts. I'm, I'm looking right now. It seems to sit for around about $170 on eBay. Oh wow! Yeah, I think it's 140 at my FLGS right now. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I want to say yeah, that's like the MSRP I think. I think so. Yeah. So if you were able to get it from like Miniature Market or whatever, it, it might be even cheaper. But it's hard to come by right now. Apparently, nobody can keep oh. it in stock. It's a big box. Um, I think I saw my local Facebook board game group. Um, Three people posted asking, hey, did anybody get this? Because I'd like to play it. And several people did. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll set this up. We'll, you know, we'll we'll meet and we'll do a demo for it. Yeah. So it's really hot right now. The yeah. Kickstarter that just came out, that was actually the second printing, right? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, yeah it, it, was, it, it basically got snapped up right away in the first printing. And then the second printing, like you said, it's, it's still hard to find. So, oh, yeah, wow. I mean – if you can if you can sell out two printings that fast of a game that costs one hundred and forty dollars, you're doing something right. And, and twenty two and a half pounds. Yeah, you, yeah, you I've can seen knock somebody out with that. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that would be pretty expensive to ship if you didn't get the free shipping option. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of Kickstarter and what has started to arrive, are you guys familiar with Giant Killer Robots? No, I haven't heard of that one. It is um, okay. You know the company that does the special effects for like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Was it Weta? Meta? Weta, yes. sure. Weta, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. They did this game. Hmm. Um, they did the the uh, designs for the robots and all that stuff. I saw it at Gen Con last year, and it looked really, really cool. I didn't get a demo, but um, yeah, it's and it's starting to arrive people that have kickstarted it i didn't do it um because i figured i it would be popular enough that i could eventually purchase it at a discount but uh it's starting to arrive and people have it nobody i know of locally got it so unfortunately i can't play it so but it it is (coughs) arriving so um tell me about everybody is john which is an rpg Okay, well, yes. Uh, I happened to see this on Reddit. Uh, and it's, so this is a, it, it's a, a competitive RPG. It's a little kind of a party game. So you have uh, the GM plays this guy, John. And John is out of his mind insane. And all the players play voices that influence John to do 
the things that they want him to do. And so you have these, the, I believe they're called obsessions. So like um, an obsession might be to eat a lot of candy or something like that. Uh, and so if you can get John to do that, then you get a point for that. So that's just kind of, uh, that's kind of how it works. And I think I'd like to give this game a try, but I'm, I, I have a little bit of a, a moral quandary with it that like, is it, is it, is it a disrespectful thing to, to play a game like that? So, to be, I don't are know. you are you role playing a schizophrenic? I suppose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, with uh, recent events, it I don't know. I, I I'd like to play it, but it, it just doesn't seem the right time to give it a go. Huh? Yeah. It's definitely it, it definitely. I give it points for originality for sure. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that, and it's a really cool idea. I wonder how you actually influence them. You know, surely it's a dice roll or something. You're not yes, actually. Yes. So there's, it's a d6 for uh, resolutions of, of things, and it's all very kind of free form and and let's you know let's play around and have fun, but uh, kind of the, the the deeper moral implications are a little a little difficult, I think. Hmm. So I and that got me thinking about. Uh, Playing games that involve um, maybe uh, questionable activities does that I don't know are we are we um, do we have an obligation to kind of be sensitive to people when we're playing some games I don't know I mean there's certainly you know we it's it's kind of old news now but we talked about it last time that the recording failed um, the hate board game you know yes generated a, a, a lot of stuff, you know, and it has yep. cannibalism, you know, and of course, you know, you can really take the moral high ground and say, well, look at all these different games that, you know, condone murder, essentially, you know, yep. you're, you're killing a character or, or whatever. So there's that, but yeah, hate was, and it's a Kickstarter exclusive. I've heard strictly because they didn't want to fool with the, putting it on a shelf and causing controversy. You know, little Timmy sees it, you know, at a yep. friendly local gaming store and whatever, but yeah. I don't know, but we, we definitely are getting more mature games. King yeah. of Death. Uh, I had some friends over yesterday, and we were talking about that. I was like, man, that game is... It's, like, super weird. It's super adult. Um, it's supposed to be, like, a really cool system and everything, too. But uh, it's a very adult game. Mm-hmm. With very adult figures and stuff, and yeah, and it's a boutique thing. It's you know, I, I really assume that's where hate came from. Is people look, they were looking at, wow, Kingdom Death sure does make a lot of money. So yeah, that's there certainly is a market for it, but you know, so is does uh, does the media drive the the society's behavior or vice versa, or is it do they kind of work with each other back and forth? I don't know. I, I have noticed, like, in my local shop is definitely, under these new, the new owners that have it, it seems to be more mature than any other shop I've been in. You know, usually, in the past, in, in my, you know, 20-plus years of gaming, you know, uh, if you said bad words or whatever in a shop, they would be like, hey, hey, you know, you can't, don't talk like that in here. There's kids in here or, or whatever, you know. And they just don't seem to do that with the, the new one. There's kids running around and, you know, adults swearing and, you know, whatnot. And, yeah, I don't know. My uh, 
my local uh, uh, game store uh, is a, in a very conservative area. And for the longest time, he would not even stock Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Like How's that game a, store? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's mostly uh, board gaming, but I think, I think D&D and role-playing in general has really started to lose its stigma amongst a certain segment of the population. Or they just don't know about it or don't care. So now he's yeah. so. It, yeah. it definitely has, but it's it's still there too. I found that because um, that uh, I play a few. Uh, we've been kind of bouncing around with RPGs, but I was probably the one that I play the most right now is FFG's Star Wars RPG, and I find that um, for people that do have that stigma about D and D. If you say, yep. hey, let's play Star Wars RPG, they're like, oh, cool. Whereas they would not yeah. you say D&D, and they're like, ah, oh, you're worshiping the devil. Yeah. And that's, you know, that the satanic panic of the 80s, for sure. Yeah. Was, Someone uh, made an RPG about that, by the way, which sounds pretty <laughs> funny to me. And of it, course it, they did, yeah. So I can't remember who it was. I'll have to look it up. But uh, they actually made an RPG about the satanic panic. But in this case... I think the, the, the sort of theory behind it is that it's true, and you're like hunting down D&D players because they're trying to, <laughs> <laughs> to worship the devil or something like that. I think you play government agents. It sounds pretty funny. Oh, all right. That sounds awesome. I, yeah, I want to play that. <laughs> was yeah, it uh, Dark Dungeons? That was the chick track that came out. Uh, yeah, and they actually made a movie about that. You ever see that? Yeah. I have not. Oh, I've that's the one with – the one with Tom Hanks? No, no, no not the monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Jim, Jim McClure is the one that made the game, and it's called Satanic Panic. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Is that, uh, is that a, a free one? Is that? No, it looks somebody... like it's a looks like it's being kickstarted. Okay. Or was kickstarted, maybe. That would be. Fun. I just remember hearing about it. I think I heard an interview with him, and it sounded pretty funny. Uh huh. Cool. Uh, and Roy, you had a Dice Tower Con? Yes. Uh, are we allowed to talk about other uh, <laughs> podcasts? And... Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Let me... All right. So I, uh, I went to Dice Tower Con the second year it came out. This is in Orlando, Florida. Um, and then I are went you last from Florida year. Or... No, 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 no. No. Well, I was born there, but. Okay. Um, no, I live in West Michigan, actually. Right, right, that's right. So um, I went to Dice Tower Con last year and had a great time. Uh, it's um, I heard somebody compare it to Origins as far as the kind of the, the vibe going around. So there's a, a small dealer room, and there's uh, plenty of gaming. There's, I don't believe I saw any cosplayers, um, but it's mostly just tabletop gaming and a little bit of role-playing and, and that's about it, but it's, um, to my mind, it's more uh, economically feasible than going to Gen Con, which I've, I've been to Gen Con, but it's, I don't know, it's not really on my radar anymore to go to just because it's so hard to get a room, and it's expensive. Yeah, that, I really think that's hurting them. Is yeah. The, and, of course, it's as we speak, I think they're on track to sell out again this year. Really? Wow. Yeah, sixty thousand plus people. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. oh. I think uh, Dice Tower Con tops out at about six thousand. 
Okay, so yeah, that, that's that's nice. And anime convention I take my kids to every year. They hit around five, and it's okay. that's a good solid group of people. You mm-hmm. you don't feel overwhelmed, you know. If there's a lot of people there, and yeah, so okay. There's and there's not a whole lot of like published events that happen there, but it's there's just mostly it's all pickup gaming that. Um, you know, if you see somebody playing a game, and so they have one of the things that they've innovated, and I wish that they would do with this at every gaming con, is they have a little tower that you put at your table that says "Players Wanted" or "Teacher Wanted," or um, so that you can kind of advertise that. Yeah, I want to play this game, but I'd really like to have some more players, or, or you know, I just I need a ruling from somebody. Um, so that's that's a great thing that that they've done, and I wish that. Like that, they had that sort of thing at Gen Con, and maybe they do, or they, you know. Well, I actually got in a discussion recently about it. Gen Con is very short on open gaming. They want you to arrange to get a table and and whatever, and to do a game and and whatnot, and it may actually cost you money. To do as well, and which you're supposed to recoup that cost by like charging players. You know, I think I paid like three bucks, I think, uh, for each little demo thing I went to, and I got free stuff in exchange. Like, I met Mark Miller, the guy that created Traveler or helped create Traveler in, or his particular version. Anyway, it was just neat to, to go and do. But yeah, there there isn't a lot of open gaming, and I was very disappointed in that. Ah, there, so, there is the gaming library, but it's, again, that requires a ticket. Um, ah, that's very true. Yeah. So is, is Tom Vassell from, um, no, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, uh, Dice Tower Con. I'm thinking, yeah. He's from Wait. Miami, or, or so, near Miami. So Actually, that is his that is his con, right? Is, yes, yep. Okay, I was all well, I thought I got I, the wrong person. He's mainly there as just a, just a celebrity. Uh, I mean, there's there fans of his are the ones that kind of organized and said we're going to have a con and we want you to kind of be the be the figurehead for it. So he's basically there to to be a personality and to game and uh, so. But he's a fairly accessible guy. So I've played a few games with him. It's five I mean, days, July fourth yeah. through the eighth. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's at the hotel. There's, they have a convention center that's attached so that you can, um, you know, it was maybe 300 yards from my room to, uh, to the convention center. Um, and uh, pretty near to Disney World. So you could, you know, if you were kind of doing a, a, uh, uh, a uh, vacation where you'd go to Disney World and go to the gaming con, it's very doable. And you could stay there at the uh, at the resort. That's cool. Yeah. Now, Rich, tell me about Fields of Fire. Fields of Fire. It's uh, interesting. Difficult to wrap my mind around. It's a it's a tactical game. It's you sort of build the map as you go with cards. Um, it's it takes place. It's got three different eras that it takes place in: World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. Um, and it's a tactical game. Uh, it's company level, I guess, and uh, you you start by laying down a map in front of you, uh, cards, 
and each card has a type of terrain like hills or forest or city or open fields and you set up objectives and you have to move your your uh your squads and your companies up through the objectives taking fire along the way it's um i can tell that it's a good game i haven't quite wrapped my mind around it yet it's uh it's a sort of a complicated game um it's interesting one of the things i really like about it is it it does a good job of trying to mimic uh the command and control structure in that you don't you're not playing on god mode where you just decide which guys to move and where to move them you have to pass you have to make sure you maintain lines of communication you have to pass down orders from the co down to the down to the squads and everything and um it it does a really good job of that where you you can get frustrated because you can get lines of communication broken. You can um, have your, you know, your battalion headquarters just not get enough activations this turn, which means, you know, the companies don't get enough activations this turn. And maybe you want to move two, but you're only going to get to move one this turn, and you're taking machine gun fire. There's also some interesting things built into it where there's there's limits on the map, and you can take fire from off the map, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because your guys were told this is your operating area, you can't go outside that. And if they're shooting at you from there, well, too bad. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's it's an interesting game. I'm having it's it's going to take some while to 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 really get to where it comes naturally. But it's it's definitely a fun game. All right, and you were also uh, looking to learn Unconditional Surrender Europe. Yeah, I got that one out and set it up and decided that that one's going to have to wait because it's just too big. But I uh, I got out Holland 44 instead, and that one, that's a that's a, that's a a fun game. So Unconditional Surrender Europe is all of Europe in World War II. Holland is obviously just the Operation Market Garden part, which doesn't actually take place in Holland, but that's what they call the game anyway. Um, but that one's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's shorter, it's quicker, and it's basically, you know, just – it's Operation Market Garden. The Germans are trying to blow up bridges, and the uh, the Allies, mostly U.S. and British, are trying to have paratroops secure bridges while the tank column rushes north. So it's a fun game. And who makes those? Uh, GMT makes both of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, I have a little add-on. Speaking of uh, Mar- Operation Market Garden and World yeah. War II. So at my FLGS, they have a consignment area. And I picked up for a friend uh, a copy of the Milton Bradley Axis and Allies game, which yeah. I remember playing this in college. That's what and got me started on all this. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, me too. So I, I, uh, yeah, I picked it up for him, and so hopefully we'll be able to to crack that open and and push little tanks and aircraft carriers around. I guess there's no tanks Wh- in it, but which which version of it? So this is the one that the the book says 1984. So this okay, is so the, this is the blue the blue box. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I had that one. Probably the okay. one that I played with my brother. Aha. Man, we probably I love, I love the map. I bet we played that game a hundred times, and probably ninety <laughs> of them ended up with a stack of thirty infantry on Japan, <laughs> uh-huh. with the with the Allied player just trying to surround him with troops and bombing him into submission. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing that at some point too. All yeah. right, Mo- moving on to news. Uh, I think the first thing I have up here is Black Earth, heavy metal sci-fi expansion up on Kickstarter. And I, I, the main reason I wanted to 
put this up here is a lot of companies are doing this thing where they're doing a 28 millimeter and a 15 millimeter at the same time on Kickstarter. Now this one actually has rules, which are cool. I, I like 15 millimeter anyway, but uh, a lot of them don't. They're just they just put them up as just kind of generic sci-fi uh, miniatures that you can port into your, you know. Uh, Dark Horizon or, or whatever game that you're playing, Battletech, whatever you're playing in there. And I just, I think that kind of thing is neat. So let me ask you this. Talking about that 28 versus, what'd you say? 15. Two, 28 versus 15 miniatures. Uh-huh. Um, so do you put twice as many minis on the same size map, or do you play different table sizes, or how do you play and the difference in the minis? I know with smaller size stuff, um, you can, if you're doing like 15 or 6 millimeter or whatever, you have the opportunity to play on a smaller play area. But most people don't. Most, most of it is they're going to play on the same area as you would a 28 millimeter, which, which is, say, 4 by 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... If I want to play six millimeter or fifteen millimeter stuff, I'm just going to put down that much more stuff. So it okay. just looks like I have this massive, massive army on it. I know a lot of historicals are done that way. So it's yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. Uh, the next thing I had was um, there's a new story being released for this game called Stuffed Fables, and the whole reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I want to talk about Stuffed Fables and how I want to buy it. That is at the top of my list right now. I was just talking to my family about it today. <laughs> it's such a cool idea from it. You know, you actually, you're flipping over, you know, the the board, quote-unquote, has pay, it's a book, and you flip pages, and, you know, your miniatures interact on, on the particular page. And, um, yeah, I just really, really dig it. And I, I kind of just like the idea of it, you know, anyway, you know, of your toys, you know, Toy Story type thing, you're they're coming to life, only they're you know trying to protect you from Eldritch horrors or, or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. But yeah, I really dig this and and want to get it. Yeah, my eight year old and is, she's one of my best gaming partners, and she's she and I have been painting the Imperial Assault figures because we both we love the game and we both been teaching ourselves to paint. Well, I told her about this one, she goes, "Oh, and you get to paint the miniatures too?" And I said, "Yeah," and she goes can you paint them however you want? I was like, of course you can paint them however you want. <laughs> so, yeah, we're really excited about that one as well. Yeah, it's I'm um, showing it's 56 bucks from yep. Miniature Market, so I'm not quite sure what MSRP on it is. I think, but it's, yeah. I think it's 60 so, yeah. 69 I, according yeah. to this. Oh, okay. Yeah, on it is sixty nine ninety five. So, so it's a little yeah. stuffed animals? Yeah, yeah, a little. Wow. Uh, looking at, I think there's... Yeah, there's like a, a teddy bear and a little stuffed elephant. I think, in my understanding, they're like rescuing their, their oh owner my. from the bad things, you know. Yeah, so one map might be in the bedroom or something like that. And they're, But like he said, the, the book, it's the, the map is, is, is a book. It's a storybook, and you open up, and you turn the page, and you get a new map and a new mission or whatever. So. Now, Richard, I have an eight-year-old, so that's – this seems like it'd be right up her alley too, because she's really yeah. into that imaginative play and yeah. 
I'm oh. almost positive, like, uh, you do some dry erase stuff, too. Like, you can draw on it, or I don't know. It's I've, I've seen some stuff, and I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> it looks really cool, and I hope to pick that up sometime. Plat Hat Games is a really great company, anyway. I What was that card game that they have out? Um, Dadgummit. Um, it's really good. It's been out a while with a lot of expansions and what you know my favorite thing is like when you're doing this podcast the person that's listening is like screaming in his car what the answer <laughs> is while we sit here and talk about it like oh i can't remember summoner wars that's yeah, it okay. and, uh, oh that's really, right that yeah. was them i forgot that they did that i was i was thinking of them as mice and mystics but yeah they did do summoner wars ah mice and mystics i have that on my shelf haven't haven't got it out yet bought it for the kids and <laughs> to play over the summer and have, haven't got it out but yeah, Summoner Wars even has um, you can play it on your iPad, I believe. There's a there's an app. Oh, see now you just cost it. me some money. Yeah, I'm I'll almost positive there is. <laughs> yeah, I like Summoner Wars. I've I've I, I played that at the game shop. I just pulled it off the the shelf one day and played it with a friend. But that one's actually nice because they've got you don't even have to buy the whole box. You can buy just like a starter pack with two guys in it and and play that to see if you like it. So. The next thing we've got is new Necromunda and Shadespire releases are available to order. And um, I the reason why I put this on here is because, number one, I'm playing Shadespire, and I really dig it. It's a very – it's one of the better GW games I've played. It is a strange board game, miniature hybrid thing. Well, I guess because not necessarily that. I guess it's a – Board game slash card game hybrid is is what it is. You play it, it's one your force versus your opponent's force, and you move around on the actual board, which are set up randomly. It's designed for competitive play. So not only are you bringing your forces, you're bringing one board, and your opponent brings a board, and you guys put them together. And there's some rules there. It's like you dice off, like, like loser decides how he wants to put his, which edge to put his on, and and stuff like that. But the card mechanic is really cool. You actually you're moving your guys around, and when you get to fights and stuff like that, that is when your cards come into play. And I just I dig it. It's it's you can play it really fast. I mean, it plays as fast as a game of Magic. So like you're done in like 20 minutes. And so you what's, can get in mul- multiple games. What's the scale on that? Uh, it's GW scale, quote unquote. Okay. Which so twenty-eight uh, ish. Yeah. Ish, yeah. Okay. Heroic scale, twenty-eight millimeter, whatever they call it, because mm-hmm. they want you to use those figures that you may maybe you bought into Shadespire, and hey, you didn't know they had this other game called Age of Sigmar, and mm-hmm. so they want you to use those figures from your Shadespire game in Age of Sigmar. So they make rules for them. So it's the same scale. Yeah. And the other thing was Necromunda. I'm a long-time Necromunda fan um, for, like, over 20 years, and I was so excited that it got re-released. And uh, this particular news article has the gang of House Orlock and some interesting mercs and stuff that are adding onto it. What sucks though is I cannot find anybody interested in playing it locally. 
I just don't understand. It's such a, it's an old game, you know, it's great. It has this great history. I love the way it plays. You know, you don't you need like ten figures per side, but I just can't get any of the the locals that play forty K into it. I just can't. And I, I don't know why. Did you guys ever play it? No. I uh, I like the idea of uh, of what you're saying about the, the boards that merge and um I think a lot of people talking about trying to get people into a new game, though, especially I think people get get sort of set on one thing. And it's nice if you have the piece, if you have everything and you can say, hey, you don't even have to buy anything. Just play with my stuff. But um, I think, yeah, people get set into the, the mindset of, of one game and kind of stick with that. That is true. I can't imagine living that way, but that is very true. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. That's definitely not me. I'm not. You know, I'm, uh, I've got gaming ADD. So, <laughs> anyway, the next thing we've got is something that has been brought to my attention a lot in the past month, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. There's a whole thing with counterfeit board games. Yeah, I didn't know. Like wow. I know, like. In the in 40k, you know, um, 40k is expensive. Forge World stuff is even more expensive. So there is a huge, huge market for bootleg Forge World stuff, and there are a lot of Chinese recasters that do really good jobs. Like if you got it and painted it and put it on the table, nobody can tell the difference. The easiest way you can tell the difference is if you see it before it's painted, because sometimes the um, the material's different or a different color than it should be, and uh, there may be some small errors on it that are hard to find. But uh, that's a huge industry. But I never thought about like bootleg board games, and this article I'm gonna have posted in the show notes is Rio Grande, who, um, what they make, um, Dominion and uh, Puerto Rico and a hundred other games, they're suing Amazon sellers over counterfeit Dominion games. So that's well, interesting to me yeah, that, I've been, that that's become a good thing. Yeah, I've been hearing about this a lot lately. Look on Reddit or on some of the, the Facebook board gaming pages, and you see a lot of people saying, hey, look at this, and they show pictures back to back and you can see the you know the the color quality and the quality of the components is way off sometimes the the printing is way off especially if they punch counters and then the counters are you know they don't even punch where all the mark all the all the information is halfway on the counter and halfway off and you see piece the games that are just missing pieces completely and it's frustrating because the used used and secondhand board gaming market is is great and it's a great thing to have because it allows people to trade games and you know maybe you get a game and you don't have time to play it or it just wasn't really your game someone else might want it but a lot of people are sort of losing faith in the secondhand market because of all this counterfeit stuff that's out there now. Yeah, that I mean that's the thing with um like I mentioned the bootleg Forge World stuff. Forge World stuff is really expensive. And it's even cheaper on the secondary market because how can I trust what you're selling me is authentic? So I'm not willing to pay anywhere <laughs> near what it's worth because I can't trust it. And if you straight up tell me it's recast, well, yeah, I'm it's I'm gonna yeah I'll probably buy it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna offer you a lot of money for it. Yeah. 
And and that's just that's just the way it is. But yeah, counterfeit board games. You know, with so many components and pieces, you wouldn't think it would be worth it. Because I mean, what's well, a copy of uh, Dominion go for? Like thirty bucks, forty bucks? Uh, forty, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just cards too. So yeah, but right. then there's 150 expansions for it. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you could get Dominion, the base game at Walmart for thirty four thirty four. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. At least at least Walmart dot com anyway. But yeah, you're right. It does. Yeah, take a bunch of expansions. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever played it. You know, people were like, "Oh, okay. Well, I want to do the I'm put in this expansion and this expansion." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> prosperity is the only one you need. I think <laughs> if you had the base and prosperity, your goal. The next thing we've got is uh, Night Models announces a Harry Potter miniature adventure game. And they're going to kickstart it. Uh, if you're not familiar with Night Models, they make the Batman game, which it is, to me, it's like some of the best sculpts I've ever seen. And they just the pictures of them painted up, they look amazing. And um, yeah, but I. They're a not-American company. I want to say they're, like, in Spain or somewhere. And so, yeah, there's this thing with... um, They're doing a Harry Potter game. And the figures look nice, but it doesn't look like they got the the license for the actors. Uh, Because, yeah, Harry doesn't look like Harry. (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm surprised there's not more Harry Potter stuff out there. I mean, I have no idea what... J.K. Rowling wants to do with her intellectual property. Maybe, maybe she's the the reason there's not more of it. But I'm just surprised there's not more out there. I think that, I think that Harry Potter has the potential to be almost as big as Star Wars, uh, just as far as IP. But you just don't see that much out there for it. The I uh, want to say there's Flux, a, a, a copy of Flux, yes, sir. Harry Potter, oh. and then there's. Battle of Hogwarts or yes. is a card game. Right, right. That's a Playopolis game. That's I have that one. That's pretty good. That's a co-op. Yeah. So you kind of play through the the various movies uh, with all the different villains. So as like the the start game is pretty basic, but as you play like all the way through the books and the films, and it uses artwork from the films, uh, the characters mature and get better, and and the the bad guys get harder to beat too. So, yeah, we enjoyed that one. Yeah. It's certainly a fascinating world that she has developed, and it seems like you could do a lot with it in lots of different types of games. Well, and I think with the Fantastic Beast movies that that's going to make it – Yeah. Um, you know, that's that world's going to expand more. Yeah. The next thing we've got is the Swamp Fox American War of Independence rules are coming from um, – Two Fat Lardies, and uh, I put this on here for several reasons. Number one is I really know who uh, the Swamp Fox is, and because my home county of Marion, Mississippi, was named after him, (laughs) and um, I enjoyed his show on the the Disney Channel, like back in the 80s. It was like a black and white thing that Disney owned that they put out, and it had a very catchy theme song that I will not sing here, and uh, essentially... (laughs) This is uh, basically just uh, American revolutionary uh, skirmishing. And Two Fat Lardies are a really big company, and they this is based on their sharp practice rules, which is skirmish Napoleonics. 
which when I heard it was skirmish, I was like, okay, let me look at this. And it's like, oh, you need about like 60 figures per side. <laughs> I'm like, that's not skirmish. <laughs> but yeah, if you say so. But yeah, anyway, I think this will end up being kind of cool. And it made me think that out of all the history stuff I like and the different times in, of war and whatnot, I've never been interested in um, American War of Independence gaming. Never have. I, I'm a huge English Civil War buff. And even living down here in the South, I don't care about American Civil War stuff. I don't know. It's just what you get into, I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... I've, I don't have a whole lot of... Uh, I think I've got one Civil War game, and I've got I've got Frederick's War, which is, you know, 1770s-ish or something like that, but not a whole lot from that time period. I've got... Most of my stuff is either ancient or World War II. Alright, the next thing we have is, like, big news for uh, several of us here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the... Uh, Multi-Man Publishing has put out their schedule for 2018, and there are some really exciting things on there. Uh, the number one for uh, Advanced Squad Leader was the army for me is the Armies of Oblivion reprint. Now, am I correct that this will give this gives me like French, Belgian, and and whatnot? I can't think of. A... I think Armies of Oblivion isn't that Allied Miners. Yeah, 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 I'm almost po yeah. I'm almost positive. Yeah. I, I used to own it 100 years ago. Google that real quick. Yeah, I'm excited about Red Factories and also... Oh, yeah, I've, I've already pre-ordered that yeah. through uh, NWS. Yeah, and Starter Kit 4, which is what I've really been waiting for, which is Pacific Theater of Operations for ASL Starter Kit, which... Oh, wow, it just took them a decade to put that out, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and again, you know, anything with ASL, if... If something goes in print, you almost have to get it because you don't know when it's going to show up again. And I've only been playing SL for about a year or so, um, and I got a chance to play someone else's stuff, play some Pacific Theater stuff last year. I was like, this is awesome. Where can I get it? Oh, well, you can't. You're just out of luck. So <laughs> I'm glad. I'm really happy that they're going to have SK4 with PTO. Yeah, and I need to get um... – uh, the second starter kit. I have the first one and the third one. Yeah, that's what I have. So. I, ha well, I have one, three. I have the whatever. It's it's not called an expansion. It's called something else. But the the first extra missions for it. I've got I've got basically everything except for two and historical starter kit. So, but I love starter Which kit. I, I I think it's a blast. Uh, were you any any interest at all in um? Forgotten War Korea by them, by MMP? I am interested in it. Um, I didn't buy it. Uh, I definitely want to play it. Um, there's a good enough size ASL community here in St. Louis that I know I'll get to play it. So I thought, oh, I'll let someone else spend the money on that one. I've got – the except for the starter kit is going to be instant buy for me, mostly because I know I can get people into that. I know I can get other people to play starter kit even if they haven't played ASL. Um, getting people to play full ASL is – that's a hurdle. You know, Trying to get people to, to look at that and say, yes, I want, to, I want to dig into this big, huge rule book and buy into this. So when, when and if uh, the, the Pacific Theater stuff comes out, uh, I guess Bonsai is probably the name of the big module. Um, when that comes out, I will 
definitely buy that. But beyond that, I mean, I have I have Beyond Valor, I have Yanks. Um, you know, I got plenty to play. So, school me on this. I'm 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 looking at all the different releases here. So, if a person wants to start playing ASL, mm-hmm. what what uh, what do you do? Where do you start? So, I would start with Starter Kit. Starter Kit One. That's going to give okay. you. That's just going to give you basic infantry movement, support weapons, machine guns, mortars. Uh, not even mortars, actually. Stuff like that. That's where I would start. Um, mm-hmm. If if for some reason you wanted to start with full ASL, which there's arguments to be made for that, if you have someone that's willing to teach you, that's not a bad idea. Then the first thing you buy is the rule book, which is about what's that cost? Probably sixty bucks or so. Um, and then Beyond Valor is the first module, and that's going to include the Germans and the Russians, basically. There's a few other things in there, but it's basically Germans, and that's going to be infantry, tanks, guns, everything that you need to play Eastern Front for the most part. Okay. And but this is, honestly, uh, I, I would start with Starter Kit, and really what I would say, if, if someone come up to me and said, I want to, if I want to get into ASL, I'd say, okay, find someone that has ASL and let them teach you, because – Okay. It's uh, j- just punching it is uh, is an experience in itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would do battalions. I was thinking pro, pro de guerre or whatever is what was what I thought. Yeah, that's it was. the French one. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd want that one. <laughs> yeah. I, see, and there's I, there's so many of these games that I would be interested in maybe trying out. But the, there's there's quite a barrier to entry, and yeah, Absolutely. not not having anybody around you that plays means that there's not really anybody to teach you. Yeah. So 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 let's play Vassal together. I would love to play Vassal with you. Yeah. Yeah. It, at least with ASL, there is a vibrant online mm-hmm. community. You can, you can get in game. You can find a game online, no problem. Yep. That's that that's really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a good. Okay. Uh, Good, a couple good Facebook groups. One for full ASL, one for starter kit, and then the Game Squad forums have a, a very active community of people looking to play. So, but it's 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 almost all going to be Vassal. It's it's depending on your situation. It's hard to find face to face games. I'm lucky enough here that we have a community in St. Louis. So, uh, once a month, we'll have somebody to play a face to face game with. And face to face is always better. But Vassal, as long as you're playing live. It's it's good. I I cannot play ASL play by email. I just don't like it. Um, but some people do that too. Okay. Yeah, I noticed like when we were playing Vassal, you explained to me like, well, you know, there's too too many reaction yeah. things you can do to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, I have that. I mean, I have the problem with just board with war games of the board variety, board war games, whatever they're called. I just call them war games. Anyway, <laughs> I have that problem myself with not only with asl but just anything in my area man i've probably got like 300 board gamers at least and they just aren't interested in uh war games and i really think the reason why is is because they're usually just two players yeah yeah that's definitely um and that's part of the reason i like the coin games Coin games are a great introduction to war games. It can be played with usually anywhere from one to four players. 
Um, but yeah, most games and a lot of the best games are just two player games. So I've actually gotten, I, I, I got sick of not having people to play with. So I, I started up a group here in St. Louis, the St. Louis historical gamers. And, um, it's kind of been building up. I got seven people to show up yesterday. So we're, we're gathering some momentum. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, oh, I was going to ask, um, on here, they, you know, MMP, not they're famous, most famous for Advanced Squad Leader, of course, but they also make some other stuff. And I was going to ask you, what is the OCS series? What is that? So, Operational Combat System. Um, I haven't played it, but I have a lot of ASL friends that absolutely love it. So, that's another one that I would like to get into and just haven't had time for it yet. So, it's operational level. Um, it's. And they've got several scenarios. I think they're I think they're mostly World War Two ish, um, but see, I've I heard see good Baltic things about Cap them. And Beyond the Rhine and Burma. Okay, they're com- they're campaigns basically. Yeah, it's, it's kind okay. of what it looks like. Oh my gosh, they're expensive. Case Blue is two hundred and twenty five retail. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Darien's Blitzkrieg Two is one hundred and sixty. Wow. Okay. That's but, why I haven't played him yet. <laughs> now I, I will also say I will say um, you know if, if anybody listening, if you're actually interested in playing any of the MMP stuff, Advanced Squad Leader, whatever, you want to um, Google N- NWS Store, which stands for Naval Warfare Simulations or whatever. This guy sells he. He's got to be making like a dollar profit on <laughs> everything he said. His prices are rock bottom. And I've gotten where anything I'm interested in, I'm like, well, let me see if he's got it. And, you know, if he's got it, I'll order it from him. But he carries all the um, MMP stuff and uh, like he does Warlord. So I get all my historicals, you know, from over there and a lot of other war board games that he carries and they're so freaking cheap and um yeah and i've never i've ordered i have two orders pending at the moment and i've been using him for about a year never had a problem great guy so yeah i wish i could say that was a sponsorship and he was sliding me some free stuff but no maybe he'll hear it and be like oh man thanks (laughs) have an extra have an extra dollar off but anyway um so the last thing we had which kind of brings us full circle back to Axis and Allies, is when you run out of ideas in this game, <laughs> you know, the, the last thing you do is you add zombies to it, and there is Axis and Allies and zombies. So all we've got is, like, pretty much just some teaser details on it. It's, like, two to five players. It plays in about an hour or two, and, yeah, that, that's it. I'm just curious as to, like, is this kind of like a... You think it might be a pandemic-type game? You know? Is, is it global? So, you know... Uh, yeah. Zombies Who knows? start out. And... Could, could be you lose your guys in a battlefield, and then they come back two turns later for the uh, the, the zombie side. So maybe it'll be... Well, let's see. Now, Axis and Allies is two to five players. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe it's you're gonna add a sixth player that's the zombies. It does. It does say you join one of the major powers, Axis or allies, and ah, fighting yeah. for victory against the opposing enemy, including 
an uprising of zombies. So this is like World War II with zombies. <laughs> Which is kind of a trope, but you know, yeah, yeah, it's I'm I yes, yeah, I'm assuming it's just going to be like Axis and Allies, kind of like Pandemic as well. There's been an outbreak in Siberia, and mm-hmm. yeah, you have to stop them from reaching Europe. <laughs> I don't know. So I assume but, yeah. the zombies will be infantry only, because that's really going to hurt my realism if the zombies are flying planes. <laughs> oh yeah, think about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the zombie drive tanks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The zombie aircraft carrier, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's producing bomber. Yeah, the zombie bombers and yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I reckon on that note, that's about all we got, and we hope you uh, like it. I actually really hope that it recorded correctly, and you know, tomorrow I'll edit this and post it, and it'll all be great. I really hope that. But I hope you like it, and I hope you guys continue to listen. And like I said, you can find us at chanceofgaming.com, and I think everything we have on there is up there. I think I'm going to start doing YouTube stuff where I do unboxing and stuff like that again whenever I get something new. People really like that for whatever reason. I mean, literally, all you're doing is opening up a box and showing people what's in it, and you'll get like 300 views on it. I don't know. People just love it. Not my thing, but who am I to judge? It's it's, anyway, it's gamer voyeurism. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> Very true. So uh, I guess that's it. See you later. Thanks, guys. Bye, Internet.